Our Father, we thank you for the morning and thank you for the opportunity to open your book. It's not just a book of ideas. It is a book of truth. It is firm. It is bedrock. It is solid. It is dependable. It is eternal. It is unchanging. And it is just as helpful for us today in dealing with the issues of anxiety and worry as it was for the first writers of Scripture when they wrote those pages of Scripture now thousands of years ago. Uh, It is a life-giving book. It is a book that peers into our souls, exposes the needs of our souls, and then transforms us. And what hope there is for us in that. We thank you for our dear brother, Stuart Scott, and for his ministry to us. We pray for your grace for him today, that you would give him endurance as he teaches clarity and discernment as he unfolds the scriptures for us and that he would be a sure guide to our great God and our great shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so would you bless us in our time together this morning and this day, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, let me introduce you to our speaker, Dr. Stuart Scott. Stuart is a professor of the graduate program of biblical counseling at the Masters University in Santa Clarita, California. Uh, You're not going to think this just looking at him, but he has over 40 years of pastoral and counseling and pastoring, teaching ministry behind him. Um, He is the membership director at the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors and a fellow for them as well, which means that he is a trainer of counselors. Um, He has authored a number of books, one of of which, that pamphlet that you should have received in your materials this morning. Several others of his books are available in our bookstore this morning. Uh, Perhaps the best known of his books is The Exemplary Husband, a book that I have benefited from and profited personally. I've read through it multiple times um, and personally benefited from it and taken many counselees through it as well to much benefit and profit. In fact, I assigned, I think it's chapter 15, um, to a counselee just in the last two weeks, I think it was, um, how a man leads his his wife when she's in sin. A really, really helpful chapter. Um, Stewart is married to his wife, Zandra. They have two adult children and two grandchildren. Uh, Stewart is a longtime friend of Grace Bible Church. I'm not sure anymore how many times he has been here. Um, I believe this is his fourth or fifth time he's been here for our regular uh, counseling training conference in the fall multiple times. He's been here for a men's conference uh, also in the fall a few years ago. Um, He was one of Pastor Keith's professors in seminary and I know had a significant influence in Keith's life. And that means you've had a significant influence in our life because um, you have really shaped him and in shaping him you've shaped his ministry to us here. We are very thankful for that. Through his ministry to us he has become a beloved friend. He's become a beloved friend of mine, a mentor, a guide. I'm very thankful for him. Uh, Stuart, come and unfold the scriptures to us and give us some help and hope for anxiety. Thank you, Terry. Good morning. Uh, It is a blessing to be back here. And uh, it's always good to see Pastor Terry and Pastor Keith and Greg and all kinds of uh, individuals that I remember from the last time I was here. And... um, I imagine not everyone is um, 
How many are from other churches or just visiting today? Okay, a lot. Well, welcome. Uh, thank you for taking a part of your Saturday Saturday to come and... Um, is there like feedback? Is there? Is it just me? Maybe it's just me. Um, but taking part of your Saturday to learn just how do we deal with our concerns on a daily basis and then not go into worry. Uh, anxiety and worry are the same thing. Uh, some people just say anxiety. Some people say worry. They're the same thing. But uh, how do we understand that? How do we keep from uh, succumbing to the various temptations to worry. And um, just a little background about me, so I'm just not a talking head up here. Uh, I really struggled big time with worry and fear growing up. I was afraid of people. Uh, when I uh, graduated high school, and God did a wonderful thing in my life in my senior year and uh, saved me and uh, turned my life to Jesus Christ. Uh, I was very, I wanted to do whatever God wanted uh, me to do. But since I was scared of people, I thought I'd go into forestry. <laughs> Away from people. Sit up in a tower and look for smoke. I, I loved backpacking. I loved uh, just outdoors, anything outdoors. And uh, my my dad was a pastor and professor, and he was at a Bible college in Columbia, South Carolina. And he said, why don't you uh, study forestry then, if you want to go in that direction. And God can certainly use you um, anywhere he takes you. And I always remember the little uh, services whenever we would camp as a family. They always had services on Sunday at the state parks, and I thought, maybe I could do something like that. So I went into a, a couple years at Bible College, and it was those two years that were transformative for my life to realize that there's two things that will last for eternity here on earth. Two things that will last for eternity. People's souls. People all live for eternity. Some will be in eternal torment. Others will be with God in heaven. So that's one thing. The souls of people are eternal, and God's word is eternal. And I thought, maybe I should think more about studying God's word to minister to the souls of people, since that will have lasting uh, effect. And so that's what I did, and the Lord had to work on my own heart. Um, I uh, shared this just the other day, that... um, since I was very fearful of people, uh, anxious, fearful, uh, I avoided everything I, in college of speaking in front of people. I, if they said, would you like to do this, uh, you'll have to get up in front of people. No, thank you. I, I squandered a lot of opportunities. I, I look back and I, it was just my pride. Uh, but then I went on to seminary to learn more of the Bible. And then the first semester at seminary, I had to get up and speak in front of 10 men in a lab called homiletics. And uh, I knew it was coming. <laughs> so the night before I was scheduled to speak, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I mean, I was a wreck of an individual. 
and I had to get up in front of 10 men, and they were all sitting there, and they had a sheet, and they were grading me. They, things they check off. If you do things wrong, they're checking. And I haven't even started speaking yet. I just got up there, and I'm, I'm well, you know. Uh, and they're checking things off, and I haven't said a word yet. I said, this is just not going well. So I just want you to know, um, I, I didn't know um, if the woman that I was really wanted to marry, if she was really God's, what he wanted from me, I was just scared, anxious, constantly um, questioning what if, what if, what if, what if I'm not the right guy and she settles for me and then she misses and the, the best for her. And I mean, I'm just going on and on. I'm just at a... I'm stewing. I'm taking my name in vain. <laughs> Just having a very difficult time. Just so you know, this is uh, years and years of uh, working through and then finally seeing, oh, there are answers of how to deal with our concerns and how to live in a way that trusts God and uh, you do what God wants you uh, and holds you responsible for so this is not something abstract for me. This is something that uh, I, even the other day coming into Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, um, everything's going well. I usually don't travel the day I'm going to speak somewhere, and I was scheduled to speak that night. And uh, then they came to the rental car facility, and it was a mess. There were lines backed up everywhere. The service department, some of them went on there. They weren't getting servicing the cars fast enough and the people. Lines were long, and I'm going, if this takes as long as I'm thinking, I'm going to miss the whole thing tonight of where I'm supposed to speak, and now I'm starting to get concerned. It's starting to move towards worry. And I'm going, I, I, I need practice what I'm doing. I need to go back, rehearse. So it, it's, it's an everyday thing. Every day has enough trouble of its own, the Lord said. So how do we handle this? So help and hope for the anxious. Um, uh, I would imagine um, here today there are some that um, you become overwhelmed with the many concerns. I might think about the concerns um, politically. We have a Supreme Court justice nominee who can't define what a woman is. I'm going, I could ask a three-year-old what a woman is. It's concerning that we have people in high places that are thinking like they're thinking. So you have uh, the political agenda that's going on. You have uh, the open borders. And, of course, you're a state that has many concerns on that level. Um, you have the inflation concerns and your budget and people that have fixed incomes and watching gas prices and food prices and it, it just goes on and on and you're going, oh, there's, and you're going, are you going somewhere with this or are you just trying to make us anxious? <laughs> I am going somewhere with this. But I just wanted us to be aware there are, there are health concerns. I mean, the whole COVID deal. And the variations of COVID, uh, and very real to uh, some of you. You may have uh, had a loved one who died from uh, the COVID virus, or you suffered greatly with it. Um, so there are numerous concerns that we have, and 
rightly have the concerns, but we don't need to go into worry. And so we're going to look, the first session this morning is going to be on just information, facts, stats. What, what is it, you know, can you uh, help us understand a little bit more about the issue of anxiety? Uh, the second session today, we're going to get into defining it even uh, in a more um, specific, concrete way. How does the world define it? How does God define it? And then the third session, right after lunch, is going to be, oh, there's some real help and hope here. The world doesn't have any. The world says we don't even know what causes anxiety. And there, there's quotes uh, from even the secular community. There's no cure for anxiety. But God says there is. So the third session is, wow, there is help and hope. And I want to get real practical. What, how can we uh, go from one to the other uh, in our life? But some people are absolutely controlled. Uh, I mean, they, are, they don't want to get up out of bed. Uh, they don't want to leave their place because anxiety goes into fear. And now you're fearful of open places and agoraphobia. So th- it, it can take over and control an individual where they won't go anywhere, won't do anything. And some are excessively burdened for a loved one. Uh, you may not be the person who's struggling so with anxiety, but you have someone in your life that is. And you're trying to encourage them. You're trying to be a real caregiver, and you don't know how to, how to help them. You don't know what's really going on there, how to help them. So let's just start looking at a little facts uh, and stats here. And I'm thankful for the, uh, this church. I'm thankful for the they offer this every year to encourage and help people in the community and their own church. And there are notes. Hopefully you have those uh, in your notebook, uh, things that you can resource, look to. Uh, um, if you're not into taking notes, at least you have some there in front of you. So just taking a look here at a little, some facts and stats. If you watch the news, I'm not even saying what channel. If you just watch the news, there are lots of concerns coming off uh, those channels. And it doesn't matter whether it's uh, whatever network, even Fox. There are concerns. And it's just constant repeating over all these concerns that are going on, but there's no hope. They offer no hope. They just say, thank you so much for watching us today. We'll see you again tomorrow at the same time. And you're going, oh, this is um, discouraging, depressing. So just watching the news, I've often thought watching the news is just like listening to the ten spies back in Numbers 13 and 14 as they came back and said, oh man, there's walled cities over there, there's giants over there, and made all the people groan and moan uh, because they reported facts, but there was no hope. And... God says in his word, they gave, these ten men gave a bad report. The Hebrew says evil report. It was an evil report. And God killed them. 
because they made the people to resist uh, God's will in going to the promised land. Two of the men came back with the facts and then said, yes, but God. God said, God will help us. He'll take care of us. Let's go. And God blessed those two men. They had concerns. All 12 men had concerns. Two brought God into it. The other 10 did not. There, uh, the stats um, was looking through some of the statistics in the past couple of years. In one year, in 2020, as soon as COVID hit, the anxiety, quote, disorder, it's the most common disorder, is anxiety. Uh, in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Psychiatric Disorders, the most common disorder is the general anxiety disorder. But it went shot up 28% in one year. Anxiety, uh, medications, uh, people seeking counsel. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So anxiety just shot up 28%. And that was two years ago. And they don't. it takes a few years before they can get the, a more accurate view of statistics. But I would imagine it continues to climb with the inflation, all the things that are going on. We'll see it even rising higher than that. And what is staggering is it's huge with teenagers. They're just not seeing what what is there to live for. Parents are panicking. Teens, there's nothing stable and secure. Families are breaking apart. And they're just, they're struggling. Of course, they're on social media. Average is nine hours a day on social media. And that alone will bring worry and depression. Just social media. So this is this is just like an epidemic. So I'm really thankful, um, this church and the, the counseling ministry, so let's deal with anxiety, concerns and anxiety, because the concerns aren't going away. And we need to have concerns, but handle them in a biblical way, in a God-pleasing way. Uh 40 million, at least the statistics, 40 million adults uh, deal with this disorder, and this is the National Institute of Mental Health, 40 million, and I'm going, that's ah, way more than that. The, and, and the reason is, is how do they know that? Well, they have to check with meds, who's uh, getting anti-anxiety medications. They'll look at any kind of mental health uh, facilities and try to get stats. Well, so many people don't go to these facilities. So many people don't take medications. They're trying everything else to deal with the various symptoms. So that's way under as far as the amount of people in America. Over $20 billion a year is spent on these psych- uh, psychiatric meds. Uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety, and that's just increasing. But then you hear these statements from the secular community, even Mayo Clinic. We don't know what causes anxiety. And then another quote, anxiety is not curable. Well, that is, if there's any hopelessness, that is certainly hopeless. An information there. 
It's not curable. We don't even know what causes it. So they're only treating symptoms. The medications are only treating symptoms. Does God have anything to say about anxiety? Well, yes, he does. And we're going to take a look at some of the different passages that God in his word sees concerns, typical concerns of people, and then says, don't handle it this way. Handle the concerns in the right way. Oh, that's not working. I'm not worried. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Concerned, yes. Look at this proverb. This is wisdom literature, proverbs. Even back then, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes it glad. Proverbs 12, 25. Um, The Lord knows. Ever since Genesis 3, ever since the first man, Adam, sinned, uh, we've been dealing with anxiety, depression, all sorts of um, of sinful activity uh, from Genesis 3 on. So let's kind of move towards what is anxiety and how does our society treat it? Um, again, life has many concerns, and, and I, this is a diagram that may help illustrate it a little bit. Uh, I already mentioned the politics, health issues, but wars, uh, invasions and wars, nuclear talk. Uh, you get into ethnic tensions. Uh, that are just being promoted rather than sub, uh, trying to work through them and subsiding. They're just, again, ramped up. Uh, inflation, uh, caring for other people uh, in a way that um, you see the heart there, just full of concerns for people and family members. Then you have difficulties possibly coming from the outside of job difficulties or the the virus situations and all the things coming in on the outside, you have all these things going on in the inside, and then you have the three common uh, emotions coming right off the heart are anxiety, fear, and anger. Those are going to be the three that start spinning off and can be ramped up pretty intensely. Fear, anxiety, and anger. The heart can become like a powder keg. It can become a ready to just burst. And people go, I can't handle this. And and they may not say, I'm worried. They may not even say, I'm angry. But they'll say words like, man, I can't handle this. Or I'm stressed out. They'll say terms like that. But what it really boils down to is, I'm anxious, I'm fearful. And I'm angry. Now, some people explode. Some people just clam up with their anger. But all of these different uh, issues that come up, uh, I was um, came across a you know the, about c- cares and concerns. I, I read this one 
uh, article on uh, the, one of the best-selling books in Christian Christian counseling, and I couldn't believe what I read. Uh, it's like a spiritual concern. Let me just find it here. It was a. It's rated number seven. Yeah, rated number seven on Amazon's Christian self-help category. All right? It's number seven in Amazon's Christian self-help category. And I'm going, I have concerns about lots of things. I want to handle it right. But when I read this, now I have another concern uh, in, in the area of what are people reading uh, off of and books and whatnot. That's why, I'm, uh, as Pastor Terry said, you know, there's helpful books over there that have been screened. You won't be reading things like this. This particular author, Glennon Milton, wrote a book called Untamed. So number seven, and it was 91 weeks on New York Times bestseller. Listen to what she says. She says, quote, maybe Eve... Okay, Adam and Eve, maybe Eve was never meant to be our warning. Maybe she was meant to be our model. You need to own your wanting. Eat the apple. She says, we do not need more selfless women. What we need right now is more women who have detoxed themselves so completely from the world's expectations that they are full of nothing but themselves. What we need are women who are full of themselves, unquote. I read that and I'm going, oh boy, now Eve wasn't wrong. Uh, She was our model. She did exactly what every woman should be doing, and that is disobeying God and full of themselves. So this is just concerns that are going on and on. Um, So I, I just bring that up as they're every day there may be increasing concerns. We just have to handle them in a biblical way. So let's think through here in your notes. Uh, There are some concerns that are legit. They're real. They're real concerns. And you should have them. But handle them in the right way. There are concerns that can be handled in a righteous or godly way, in a right way. And there are real concerns that can be handled in a sinful way. And you're going to see this uh, as we proceed on through the day. Of uh, You're talking about concerns. I'm talking about worry. Yeah, it's the same word. Even in the Bible, it's the same word. In some places, it's talking about concerns handled in the right way. And in some passages, it's the same word, Greek word, but it's handled in a sinful way. And you go, that makes sense now. That's why it's so confusing. Are you worrying? No, I'm just concerned. <laughs> well, it's not just the concern, it's how are you handling it? What are you doing with that concern? So handling it in the right way. Uh, there are some passages there uh, in your notes. Uh, look at. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 11. Now I'm going to... Uh, mention a thing about translations. I don't know what translation you have or are using, um, but the ESV um, unfortunately mistranslated this word. 
but uh, the New American Standard translated it, I believe, right. So you have 2 Corinthians um, chapter 12, I mean, chapter 11, verse 28. This is the Apostle Paul. He planted churches, uh, numerous places all over Asia Minor. And he says in verse 28, he says, And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my, it's the word concern, of my concerns for all the churches. Now, the ESV translated anxiety. I'm going, no. And Paul wasn't anxious. Now, I don't know all of his life. Maybe there was times when he gave in to uh, the temptation to be anxious. But that's not what it's saying here. He had the concern for all the churches. He planted. And he hears reports from people of what's going on in the churches. And so he hears about the church at Corinth. And he goes, oh, well, there's some concerns there. Now, how did the Apostle Paul handle his concerns righteously, rightly? Well, he would go visit them when he wasn't in prison. He would go personally to go visit them, spend time there, help them, talk to them, minister to them. Okay, that's one way. Now, if he couldn't go, he sent someone to go deal with the concerns. And then he would wait for the report, you know, the person to come back and tell me what happened, tell me what happened. If he couldn't send someone, he would write letters, which we have numerous letters uh, that he wrote to churches addressing the concerns. And, of course, these are breathed out when Paul was writing. The Holy Spirit was moving him to write what God wanted written. So it's the, the scriptures that we have are the very word of God breathed out. And so the Apostle Paul, as well as other, some of the other apostles, were as they were writing, they were being moved and borne along by the Holy Spirit. And we're told that uh, in the Bible of how that happened, so that their very words were, were God's words. So he wrote letters. You go, okay, but every day he had the daily concerns. What did he do with those? He prayed. He prayed. Almost every letter that we have starts with, we've been praying regularly for you. Whoever it was, whether it was uh, Timothy who was with them or Luke or whoever the people were, he says, we've, we've been praying for you. So he had concerns every day for all the various churches. So he would pray. He would address the issues in letters. He would go himself if he could, or he'd send someone. And that's how he kept his concerns in the right way, handling them the right way. You follow that? So he had right concerns, but he handled them rightly. So we have concerns, um, and if they're legitimate concerns, we need to handle them in the right way. Uh, My mother, my dear mother, lives with us. She's 92. And she, I never know what to expect. She loves the Lord. She's just, I love her dearly. But sometimes I'm, I'm kind of shocked at we're having a meal together and she goes, I, I wrote the, the senator. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I just told her what I thought and, um, that she needed to do this and needed to do this. This is Senator Pelosi. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, 
they have your name and they have our address and they, <laughs> I mean, whoa, okay. And I mean, what she wrote was, was good, was right. It was a concern she had uh, living in California and she's going to write the, uh, the political leaders. And I'm going, okay, have you written President Biden too? And <laughs> that's, She's going to do, she's going to pray, she's going to write, she's going to take her concerns and deal with them in the right way. And I'm just going, oh, I'd love to see what you write maybe before you send it, <laughs> since we all live together. <laughs> but um, handling real concerns in the right way. We see it there. Now, if you go to Philippians, uh, if you have your Bible with you, Philippians chapter 2, you're going to see the same word, concern, uh, here in Philippians chapter 2. If you go down to verse, uh, I'll start verse 19. So the Apostle Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely, and here comes the word, concerned for your welfare. That's a good thing. He's genuinely concerned for your welfare. Boy, you want people like that who are going to be shepherding and, and uh, leading you at a church. Genuinely concerned for you. That's good. And then he says, um, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So many others are like this. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. So Paul um, is genuinely concerned. He's going to send Timothy, who is also genuinely concerned. So concerns aren't necessarily wrong. They can be right concerns, but we can handle them in a right way. Then you have concerns that are handled sinfully or wrongly. Uh, words um, like in uh, Mark, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 19, it says when the sower went out and he planted seeds, he said he planted one seed and it sprouted up and then the worries, the concerns of the world choked the seed out. So that's concerns handling them wrongly. Uh, it actually choked the seed of the gospel out. And people be, can take their concerns and they get all focused on them and it just has a choking effect. Even the word concern means to tear apart. The word concern means to tear apart. Jesus used it when he took the loaves of bread from the, the lad who brought five loaves and two fish. And it says he took the loaves and he, he tore them apart. That's the same word. We would say, well, he, he concerned them. <laughs> he, he tore them apart. And that word explains the effects of concerns on our own hearts. When we have a concern, it feels like we're being pulled apart, doesn't it? it I'm being stretched. I'm, it's like I'm bring, breaking apart in my heart over issues and, and, and people. It's a, a picturesque kind of term. It's uh, tearing apart, and you're being stretched. So there are concerns that are handled wrongly. And then there are concerns that are real, 
I mean, I think uh, most all of us would be saying I'm concerned about the inflation, concerned about the political situation, concerned about the open borders, concerned about abortion issues, concerned about... We should be. You should have those concerns. But then there are illegitimate concerns. They're not legit. They're unreal concerns. Some people are all packing up and afraid of the aliens. You're going, I don't think we need to be thinking about the aliens. Um, but they're illegitimate concerns. Some people go all concerned about what they have dreamt about. You go, well, you had a dream that was real. I mean, the fact that you had a dream, that's real. What went on in the dream is not real. And so we don't talk about our dreams. My wife and I, and when we were having kids growing up and they'd have these nightmares, we didn't talk about what they dreamt because it wasn't real. It didn't happen. No man was chasing you last night down the street. So we just talk about reality. You wake up and you're scared. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's just talk about being scared now that you're awake. But we're not going to rehearse the dream. The dreams are unreal. We're told to dwell on what's true. Um, The more you rehearse what's untrue, the more real it becomes. So we just don't talk about it. We talk about when we're awake, uh, what we put in our mind before we go to sleep. We talk about when we wake up. Uh, what's on our mind, but we don't rehearse our dreams. We don't try to analyze dreams. Uh, That's our Spurgeon, a famous uh, preacher of the 1800s, said "Your, your, your dreams are your imagination morbidly active. It's just weird. All the dreams are weird. Don't, uh, don't be dwelling on them. So that was, um, there are concerns that are just not real phobias oftentimes get into um, illegitimate concerns. Way over, it's unreal. Uh, Phobias, by definition, means irrational. An irrational concern. And you avoid it. That's what phobias are. I went to the phobialist.com because I wondered how many are there. It was from A to Z, and so I pressed print. <laughs> I thought it will be a couple pages. Huh, there's like 500 phobias. You name it, there's people that have irrational concerns about them and avoid them. And I, I'm, I'm reading everything you can imagine. There, there is an irrational concern about it. So we don't want to deal with irrational, unreal concerns. Let's just stay with true concerns, real concerns, but let's handle them in a right way so they don't control us. We become overwhelmed with them. Now, there are common symptoms. I listed them for you. Well, did I or did I not? Oh, I did not. Let me read them. Common symptoms. Uh, And this is where, in in the secular world, they can make some legitimate observations. Just someone says, I'm anxious. Well, you know what? You're you're sweating. Um, You can't sleep. Yeah, they're just observations. And let me list these. These are from the Mayo Clinic. 
a website, you feel nervous. So there's symptoms. You feel nervous. You feel helpless. There's a sense of impending panic, danger, or doom. There's a sense of impending panic, danger, or doom. There's increased heart rate. I know it's times when I go to the physician's office and they take my blood pressure. They say, you're kind of running a little high. Um, I go, well, it wasn't that way at home. Well, they said this is just common here. At most people's blood pressures is up when they go see their uh, doctor. Well, you should take it when I'm at the dentist office. <laughs> I grew up in the time when they didn't have Novocaine, and uh, it's like ugh, uh, some repressed memories. Increased heart rate. So hyperventilation, another symptom. Hyperventilation. Sweating, trembling, and they wrote obsessively thinking about what triggers your panic. So you can just keep rehearsing the the various things, circumstances, people that they would call triggers, things that set you up, it seems, that you go down that route of just extreme panic, anxiety, and fear. And you could add more. You, you may have others that, you know, can't eat, can't sleep. Um, it affects individuals that way as well. Uh, they would even talk about uh, grinding of teeth, um, other, other kinds of symptoms uh, with extreme anxiety. Now, what's the difference between concern and worry? And as I mentioned already, just the Greek word itself, uh, the marimna, the noun form, or marimnao, the verb form, uh, stresses the action and effects of worry. It means to divide, part, rip apart, distract your attention, to be troubled. Just the word itself. The, the Greek term that's used in uh, the New Testament there. I'm going to read to you, and that's from God's word, that's the word that's used. Um, you have concerns that seem to pull you apart. I want to read the American Psychiatric Association's definition of anxiety. Quote, it's a nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. A nervous disorder characterized by a state of excessive uneasiness and apprehension, typically with compulsive behavior or panic attacks. Now, most of you have heard of the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Psychiatric Disorders. They're on Volume 5 now. Uh, and this is what they say as they observe people with this anxiety. Anxiety disorders, and I'm quoting here, include disorders that share features of excessive fear and anxiety 
and related behavioral disturbances. It's, it's so much so that anxiety and fear are lumped together that they just lump them together. So you'll find things like this in um, the generalized anxiety disorder. They'll put, uh, they'll group anxiety, panic disorders, specific phobias, uh, obsessive compulsive disorders, PTSD. Uh, so all of it, they're just lumped together at times. The anxiety, fear, all right together. Uh, in the DSM, it also says fear is the emotional response to real or perceived imminent threat, whereas anxiety is anticipation of future threat. So anxiety sort of has a question mark on it. What What's going to happen? What if? What if? And fear just comes right on through that door and says, oh, I know what's going to happen, and it is not good. <laughs> Do you understand that? So ang- the worry anxiety is, oh, no, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What, what's going to happen if I don't, you know, um, if I lose my job? And what's going to happen if this? And, what, and then fear, just right on the heels of it. They're, just, they, they're linked together. I don't know anyone who's fearful that's not anxious or anxious that doesn't go into fear. And fear just comes in and goes, oh, no. I, we're going to lose our house. I remember a student came to me, and she, well, actually, she called me, and she says, can I talk with you today? And I, it was a particular day. I had numerous classes, and I said, well, I, um, what about, and I, like, down the week, like, maybe about Friday, I don't have any classes, and she said, no, it has to be today. Okay. Um, it's like emergency? Yeah, it's emergency. Uh, okay. So she came by the office, and she says, I'm, I'm going to be homeless. She had a job, a place, car, uh, a graduate from our program. I'm like, what? What's going on? She's, oh, I need to confess, I cheated on an exam. When, when I was here at school, she said, I cheated. I cheated on one of the exams. And if I lose my degree, then I lose my job which then I lose my place to stay because I can't pay for the apartment, and then I'm going to lose my my car because I can't make payments on it, so I will be homeless. And I said, well, I'm... (laughs) So her what if is going to happen went to I know what's going to happen and I'm going to be out on the street. I said, well, yeah, I'll go back about your exam you're not going to lose your degree. And I mean, that was the best news for her. <laughs> I mean, you can just see the, the domino effect in her mind. And that's what the what ifs do. The what ifs take you to the, oh, I know, and it's not good. And uh, so I just told her, listen, I'll just change the grade. Uh, you still pass the class, so you still keep your degree, your job, your place, and your car. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, and I wanted to encourage her for her conscience uh, to cleanse her. Just confess to God, confess to the appropriate people, and just have a clean conscience. She was always concerned about that, and and rightly so. Um, So I want us to take a look, um, as we're looking at the definition of anxiety and worry, 
you have there illustrated in Matthew 6. Matthew, here's Jesus with his disciples. So if you have a Bible and you, uh, if you turn to Matthew 6, I just want you to see God talks about concerns. Uh, he's not, the Bible is so relevant to where we live in any age. And so the disciples are concerned. And now they're starting to worry. They're going to worry about what we're going to eat. They're going to worry about, man, am I, can I maybe eat certain things and live longer? Um, uh, my, my clothes we're going to wear. So they're worrying. Verse 25. He talks about finances and things up in verses 19. So that's another concern that they had, especially when the Lord says, don't lay up yourselves treasures here, but in heaven. They go, oh boy, now we won't have any money. You know, and then you can't serve two masters, money and God. And then he goes, therefore, verse 25, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? You know, a lot of you, and I see the different ages represented here. Uh, I was sitting next to a a guy at at a mealtime just about a week ago, and he had a bag full of vitamins and nutrients, and he poured them out on his plate, and there had to be like 20 of them, 20 different pills for everything. Um, Some of them possibly medication, but a lot of them just, you name it, it's there. I'm not not opposed to that. I had my own little group of uh, supplements. All that you take won't give you one more day. God has your days numbered. Our days are numbered. We can't extend our days, but how we eat, the supplements, the vitamins, all of the things can affect the quality of your day. Oh, that's fine. That's stewardship. That's just, how can I just be a good steward of my body for the quality of the day, how I live? I can't extend days. So all the advertisements, eat this, you won't get cancer, you know, all of those kind of things. Now, um, God's in control of all of that. He just wants us to be good stewards. So eat in a in a healthy way. It's kind of hard here in the South. <laughs> the major food groups are fat and sugar and salt and uh, slowly embalm yourself. Uh, but it tastes good. The sweet tea. But you understand you can't you can't. Extend your days. You're going home when the Lord has your days numbered. So he says you can't add, you know, the span of your your life. And yet he says here, uh, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, 
O you of little faith. It's a, it's a belief issue going on here. It's an unbelief issue in God and his care and his faithfulness. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, in other words, don't take concerns and go to worry, he's saying. Uh, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So let's just kind of look here at this passage, just looking at maybe how concerns are sometimes handled wrongly and how concerns can be handled rightly. And just in this one passage that God, uh, the Lord Jesus, addresses the issue of concerns, legitimate concerns, what we're going to eat, drink, and wear, and even how long we're going to live, a concern. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. What if tomorrow? What if tomorrow? No, stay in today. Stay in today. You can plan things for tomorrow and put Lord willing with it. Lord willing tomorrow, right? James 4, uh, James 5. Uh, when you plan, uh, say Lord willing. But stay in today. Enough, there's enough concerns and issues going on today. Don't be thinking, what if tomorrow? What if tomorrow? What if next week? What if, just today. Uh, tomorrow may be radically different for you. So focus on today. That'll help be very helpful with your concerns. And make sure God is in your, you take your concern to God, you trust and rely on him, the heart's devotion to God. I, I noticed the Lord when he's talking to his disciples and they're concerned. Typically, when we worry or are fearful, God is not in our thoughts. I don't ever hear someone say, you know, I just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, what God's going to do. I don't hear that. I hear what's going to happen tomorrow, what are we going to do? But I don't hear God mentioned. God is typically missing when people are worrying and are fearful. It's why, oh, ye of little faith. You're not even thinking about God. The, the ten spies, God wasn't in their report. So that's huge. And what Jesus did is, look at the birds of the air. And then he says, look how the heavenly Father feeds them. Look how the Father clothes the lilies of the field. And are you more valued to God than they are? He, Jesus, being God, talks about the Father and tries to bring the Father into their thinking, who God is. That's huge. That's huge with our concerns. Where's God at with our concerns? Then there's uh, pursuits. He tells them, 
Don't be thinking just here and now. Be thinking of eternal things. Uh, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He says, seek, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's not about living for the here and now. It's really living for eternity. We have to have a different focus. He says, when you are planning in your concerns, don't just be thinking about the problem. Be thinking, what are my options and solutions and the, the concerns of the day? What are my options and concerns? So I imagine the Apostle Paul would say, well, I just heard the report about the church at Corinth. I can't go visit. I can't send anyone. I think I'm just going to write a letter and I'll pray. It's what can I do today? It's solution-oriented, not just talking about your problems. You can form a support group pretty quickly on a, on a phone or text messaging. Before long, you've got a whole group of people sharing their concerns and their worries because they're not thinking solutions. Another thing is um, when you worry, typically you're grumbling and complaining. You're not being thankful. Because that shows up in another passage we'll look at at the end of the day in Philippians chapter 4, that you go to the Lord with thanksgiving. You bring your petitions and concerns to him, but with thanksgiving. Usually you complain and fret. I think you have these things written in uh, your chart. They have a chart there, so all these are listed. Sorry if you're going, I'm trying to write fast. Uh, you have uh, I've, some of the PowerPoint things I put in your, your notes. You can see them side by side. Oh, I was trying to ease any worry that you had going on. Another thing is um, you rely on the Spirit of God and His Word. Uh, when you have a concern handled rightly, and then when a concern's handled wrongly, usually the Holy Spirit's resisted. You're not going to God, you're not going to His Word, and you're just enveloped with fear and worry. You're resisting what God's trying to do. Uh, another thing is when a concern, you're handling it in a responsible way, responsible way trusting God, but a wrongly handled concern... Uh, you're not trusting God. As I mentioned, God typically isn't even in your thinking when you're worrying or fearful. There are usually helpful symptoms. You can rest at night. In Isaiah 26, that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Ah, you can sleep. Concerns didn't go away. But you're handling them in the right way. You can sleep. You can rest. You can be others-oriented. Just the, the various symptoms. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of harmful symptoms for those who worry and, and are fearful. Again, not sleeping. Some people, have a, it affects them physiologically, where they have rashes. Uh, they can get ulcers. Uh, numerous health issues when people are very anxious and fearful. Um, a lot of harmful symptoms. Uh, concerns handled rightly, you're glorifying and pleasing to God. When they're handled wrongly, it's displeasing to him. It actually eclipses God's glory 
they don't see the Lord in you. They don't see God reflected in your life at all when you're worrying. And that comes out in this passage. He says, don't be like the Gentiles. Uh, and that's a reference for don't be like those who don't follow uh, God or follow his son Jesus. Don't be like just people in the world who don't have any faith at all in God. If you handle it correctly with God's help, you're properly loving other people, but usually those who are caught up with worry and fear are self-focused. They're self-focused. It's what will ha- I just don't know what happened to me if this this goes on. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? They're, they're the subject of all the concerns. It's all about them. And uh, even some fool you that say, I just don't know what I'm going to do if something happens to my daughter. Are you concerned about what's going to happen to your daughter or what you're going to do? How you're going to handle it? So it comes back to them. So worry and fear uh, often are self-focused rather than focusing on God and other people. So just summing it up, uh, some of the things here uh, from Matthew 6. Three points. Uh, I don't know that you have this. This is just a sum- summation of that Matthew 6 passage. Is worry is unproductive. It doesn't accomplish anything when you worry. You're not really being productive. You're not being solution-oriented. It controls you. In many ways, it's a laziness because you're not productive. You're not doing anything about your concern. You just talk about it, thinking about it. They say it's a lot of work, though. Emotionally, you're wore out at the end of the day. It's like, they say, a rocking chair. You just, a lot of movement, but you don't go anywhere. Right? You're you're busy going back and forth, but you're not moving. Unproductive. It's also unbecoming. Uh, when he says, you're like the Gentiles, you're like unbelievers. People don't even have God. They're without hope. You're focusing on what's temporal and earthly, not on what's eternal. And then it's also worry is unbelieving. It's a lack of faith. He says, oh, you have little faith. It's a shameful thing for God's children to be given over to worry and fear. Now, there's help and hope to, uh, how to deal with it, but it's just, it's, you're just like the neighbors uh, who may be without Christ. They may be um, just without hope. God's missing in their thinking. And so one thing to be doing if you are a follower of Christ is anytime you have a concern, just add, but God. Just, just those two words are, make such a difference. Well, look at this bill that came. Oh, but God. What, what can I do about this concern now? And handle it in the right way, dependent on the Lord. See, but God, that's what the two spies did. That's what um, Joshua and Caleb did. But God, but God said, go, let's go. Yeah, they're walled cities and giants. Uh, I mentioned that one time in a conference, and I, it was, I don't know, months later. I get this package in the mail, and I open it up, 
and someone in wood carving uh, made the letters, but God, dot, dot, dot. And it was a, I have it set up in a bookshelf uh, where I'm sitting uh, in the mornings going just over my own devotions and things. And I, from time to time, I'll just look up and I see that and I'm going, what a good reminder. It's helped me numerous times when I'm praying for things and issues and things that are going on and I, I'm, you know, I look up and I see, but God, that, that's reminders. We need those. If people start talking to you and they're in Christ, they're followers of Christ and they tell you concerns that are going on and they don't say, but God, you bring it up. Help them. Just remind them. Uh, you'll do them a great service. Oh yeah, that's right. Problems are big, God's bigger. Right? Problems are big, God's bigger. That's what David, when he saw Goliath, he saw God was bigger than Goliath. Goliath was huge. It's one of those giants, about nine foot ten. Um, I mean, these giant guys on the basketball court are only seven foot something. This guy had two feet on top of them. His head would have been at the basketball rim. Just huge. You know, his spear was a telephone pole. You know, I mean, you know, these guys are huge. But God was bigger. So it's just really important that... Um, but that's what worry is. It's unproductive, unbecoming, and unbelieving. All right out of Matthew 6, the Lord addressing worry. Don't be anxious. Now, there are outside and inside influences. Outside and inside influences. There are just natural concerns of living on this earth. The COVID virus, I mean, that just affected the whole world. Uh, that wasn't something that was inside of me that I, I you know, came up with. That's, there's real ish, inflation. I mean, I, I didn't cause that. But it's a real outside of me kind of concern. So there are natural concerns living on this planet. And there are physical concerns, health, body concerns. We're all decaying, um, and some of us rapidly. It, 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 the outward man, the flesh and blood, there are health concerns. I've had numerous things. I've had open-heart surgeries. I, um, my, my mother, again, been through a few cancer treatments. It, um, health concerns. Um, and when you hit those, I'm going to go to that. We're divided up into, we're one whole person. But we're divided. There is an inner man, heart, soul, spirit. And there's the outer man, flesh and blood. We're, uh, the phrase that's used often to describe human beings biblically is we are in an embodied soul. We have a soul within a body. A spiritual soul within the body. And in the body, there are physical, proven physical things that have happened. Some of you may have diabetes. That's proven. You've had surgeries. There are scars. Um, so whatever has been proven, of physical issues that you have, maybe high blood pressure, maybe um, the doctor, they can prove what you have uh, gone through or presently have. And I just put, there's a gavel there. You know, it's, it's proven. I can show you on charts. 
Every time they take x-rays, they can see where I had open-heart um, triple bypass surgery. And there are proven inner man issues. If this person says, oh, yeah, I have a problem with lust and pornography or I have a problem with a broken relationship and he, I haven't talked to this person for 12 years, and there's a, those are proven relational issues. There are inner man issues uh, from, the, from the heart. The body didn't make me do that. Uh, this is proven things. They tell you that. This is what's going on in my life. Okay. So there's the gavel can go down. They're proven. Now, we live in a world where the world likes to make everything proven. And so they'll go down below and they'll say, you know what, you have a, you have a chemical balance. Well, that just means they found nothing. Uh, in the psychiatric world, uh, it's called a myth now. It's not even a proven theory at all. It's not factual. It's a myth the psychiatric community is not, I mean, with integrity, are not going with chemical imbalance. They're going with genetics. They're trying to find something in tracing it, um, anxiety, depression, all of those things. But the fact of a chemical imbalance is, 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 and there's so much secular literature out there now disproving it, but the pharmaceutical companies, they like the gavel down. Yes, you do, because they're making billions of dollars off of it. So out in the, the community, I mean, in the, the world, they want to put a, a, a gavel down certainty about things they don't have. It's just question marks. But they want to say, no, we know. And you have to kind of watch over in the heart, the inner man. Oh, we know everything about who you are and what's going on in your inside of you and your heart and your mind and your... No, I, we don't. We don't know all of that either. God does. Uh, I'm just asking questions, trying to find things out. So we want to stay away from the hard, absolutely, I know everything that's going on in your body and everything that's going on in uh, the inner man, the soul. We don't. We don't know. The brain is the least understood organ uh, in the body. So let's just keep it question marks. We don't know. Nothing's been proven. But there are things that are sure in the, in the body. I can show you uh, all of the, the x-rays or the scars or things like that. And there are things that I disclosed and said, this is what's going on in my life. You go, okay, so let's deal with what we do know. Let's not dot around in the dark. Let's just deal with what's revealed in the light. And this is maybe really helpful even in the health issues, the physical concerns, is I don't know. You know, the things that may be going on physically with you, you just go, you know, I'm not going to spend my whole life trying to get answers. I'm just going to explore a few things, but there's more important things um, that I need to pursue in life. We only have a short time here on earth. And um, so I want to... Make sure most of my time is in what's unproven, not all in the question mark area. Don't doubt around in the dark what God's revealed in the light. Now, who is responsible for the real concerns? Who's responsible for the concerns? Well, I may have some responsibility. Let's say I, I'm out of work. 
And I'm not even looking for a job. Well, I have a responsibility. I'm concerned that how am I going to eat? Or how am I going to pay the, the rent or mortgage payment? Well, I have a responsibility to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. I have a responsibility in that. Some concerns, I don't have a responsibility. There may be others who have the responsibility. I can't live their lives. Uh, there may be people halfway around the world that I, um, I'm concerned what's going on over there. I can, I can pray for them, but I, I can't change them or their situation. Um, there are some things that we can do, and a lot of you, you know, in the whole war situation and uh, their funds set up that you can give even to help with some um, concerns that they have in a war-torn nation like Ukraine and other things that happen. But what do other people, what are they responsible for? And then thirdly, what's God's responsibility in all of this? You don't want to take on other people's responsibility. You don't want to take on God's responsibility. Just stay in your own lane. That really helps you. This is my concern, and this is what God holds me responsible for. This is your concern. You, that's your responsibility. And then there's God's responsibility. And we can get into trouble. Uh, Dr. Paul Tripp has a diagram that he uses. He says, just kind of stay in your area and be responsible. Ask God for help. Uh, you can't take on everyone else's responsibility, and you cannot take on God's responsibility. And just kind of think through who, who has responsibility in this. I've counseled uh, individuals who's really hard uh, when a child, uh, adult child, who can work refuses to work and wants to live off the parents. Really hard. Terrors, it's not how you train them. It's not um, what you want for them. But they'll just keep eating your food and staying and living off of you and a lot of you know people like this. Maybe you are in that kind of a situation. It's so hard on parents. It grieves them deeply. But it comes down to, so what is their responsibility, the adult child, if they can work? I just mean they're not laid up in bed with a health issue. I mean, they can work, but they just want to play video games or et cetera, et cetera. Go now. It's not going to work. You have so much time. Uh, your your full time job is looking for a job, uh, or you will not be living here. Um, and sometimes that's what it takes to say this. Now I'm going to handle the concern before God. God's ultimately over everything, but that person's responsibility is to work. And sometimes it is when they're outside the home scrounging around for something to eat and saying, well, boy, I've been really irresponsible. I need to get a job. Maybe it's something that just needs to get them moving to solve some of their their issues as well. It's just really hard. These, these are um, tough situations, especially in parenting. Uh, what is the child's responsibility? Uh, if they get... Uh, if they rob something from a store and they get picked up and taken to jail, are you going to bail them out? 
or that's a consequence and they need to realize that it's a wake-up call. You know, it was a wake-up call for the thief on the cross to go, you know what, I did wrong and I'm here on the cross because I did wrong. I deserve to die. But that one thief turned to Christ with his concerns, uh, his major eternal concern, he was going to die soon, and the Lord was gracious and saved him. But that was a wake-up call for him. The prodigal son was eating pig food. Uh, with a, And he said, hmm, uh, you know, my father's hired servants eat better than this. Uh, I think I'll go back. It was, yeah, he came to his senses, it says. So whose responsibility? Very helpful when you're dealing with concerns. What's my responsibility? What's other people's responsibility? And then what's God's responsibility? Now, the society's explanation, the society's explanation is always nature and nurture. This is psychology 101. You open up any textbook, uh, psychology, uh, you will find it's nature and nurture. They leave out the heart. So they, they miss what God says is motivating people. So they just deal with nature and nurture because it's built on evolution, not creation. So they look at man as an evolved animal, man and women. And they're trying to explain why people are struggling the way they are. And they say it's either nurture, how you were raised, or uh, and usually a, a, they use dysfunctional, you were you didn't have all your needs met. So they're going to explain it by your upbringing, blaming your parents or whoever was a caregiver. Or it was your body. Your body's messed up. So nature and nurture. So my body's messed up or my parents were all messed up, and so now I'm messed up. And it's one or the other, it's both. Uh, yes, my upbringing was really horrible, and my body's not working well. So I've got both of those. And they'll explain everything by that. It's what they can see. And in uh, parents, um, influential people, uh, significant other people, and then your body. So nature and nurture are the two explanations from the secular, the world's perspective. And you're going to see... In our next session, uh, there's a little bit more to man than nature and nurture. They're, they're very important. They are influential. How you were raised was influential. How your body's working is influential. But you're going to see uh, there's more to the story that God has about the concerns that we have. So how does society treat it? Well, there are. it's all symptom relief. As I mentioned, the quotes from their articles are, we don't know what causes anxiety and there's no cure. So there are coping techniques. Uh, Mayo Clinic has 11 coping techniques. So it's, that's you cope through life. We don't know what causes it. There's no solution. So you cope with life. And so all various treatments. There are over 500 hundred different psychologies out there on trying to deal with people 
and their problems. Over 500 now. I remember years and years ago uh, when I was first getting uh, oriented with counseling from the Bible, there were 250. That was sort of the known thing. Now 500 distinct psychologies, treatments, understanding and treatments of people. Probably the more uh, familiar ones are cognitive behavioral therapy. There are treatments like EMDR, this rapid eye movement uh, desensitization reprocessing therapy. There's hypnosis. There's electrical convulsive therapy. There's this tapping technique called emotional freedom technique where you talk to yourself and tap on different places of your body. I mean, it just goes on and on. Well, that doesn't work. I'll try this one. I'll try this one. I'll try it. Uh, yoga is huge uh, dealing with stress relief. This is, they go on and on. 500 of them. I mean, it would take the rest of the day for me just to read that, that many. And then there's medications. I'm not on some campaign against medications, but back in the 1800s, the terms that were used that people were, were talking about, I have passions, uh, I have sinful desires, um, all of those terms were being replaced uh, this whole, quote, age of enlightenment, it, it was replaced and suppressed. The truth from Scripture was being suppressed. And then you have the word emotion first used in the 1800s. And they wanted to define it. People, people like Alexander Bain, William James, um, Darwin, Sigmund Freud, Man is an, in an animal. We don't need God and we, we don't want his word. So man's an animal. All of those passions, the sinful flesh, the, the sinful desire. No, 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 no. Let's just call them emotions. Anger is an emotion. Anxiety is an emotion. Depression is an emotion. They're all emotions. So they, they took all the words from the Bible and replaced them with, let's call them all emotions. And it's not referred to as sin. It's not referred to as any problem. It's just you have emotions. And then they took it and went, and all your emotions have a physiological or, uh, origin. They're all rooted in your body, your nature. And then medications came out. Yeah, I mean, now it's all um, we're, we're the naturalistic view of man. So that's why when medications come on, that's exactly how the world's going to treat it. Sometimes it'll be a combination. But they wanted to take everything that you struggle with, replace it, leave God out, leave his word out. Let's take the word emotion and pour everything in there that people struggle with, and that is related to your body. So popular meds like Xanax, Clonopin, Librium, Valium, Ativan, very common uh, medications. And again, they're just treating symptoms. And if you are, happen to be on them or have a loved one on them, please do not get yourself off immediately. You always talk to doctors. 
Uh, when you get on the medications, you talk to doctors. When you take them, get off of medications, they have serious, some serious side effects of people who just say, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, bad news. You can talk to your doctor, but let your doctor supervise the medications. We don't ever tell people in counseling to get on them or get off of them. If you're struggling with certain ones, then talk to your doctor. But that's just sort of the... Um, my, my younger brother um, was a physician. He's no longer living, but he, um, he was a physician, and he told me, he said, I have to always offer meds to people. If they come in and they tell me that they're down or they're discouraged or they're anxious, if there's anything like that, he said, I have to offer a medication. He said, it's malpractice insurance makes me do that. He said, if, if anything happens, if they go out and they have a major problem or hurt somebody and it was ever said, oh, I told my doctor that I was discouraged or I was depressed or I was anxious uh, and the doctor didn't offer the medication, they would be sued. They could be sued and they would win. I mean, the, the, the client would win against the doctor. So he just told me, he says, oh, I don't think a lot of things uh, are, people have. They need to talk to somebody and work through their issues. They, it's not a physi- physiological issue at all. But I have to offer that. So that becomes the, the go-to to help protect physicians as well. I mean, some may believe, yes, this will help you treat the symptom, but in a lot of cases, it's uh, to protect themselves uh, from lawsuits. There's other uh, treatments as well, uh, vitamins, diet, uh, that can be helpful, exercise. I mean, it's good stewardship of your body. Uh, anxiety can produce an adrenaline. When you get anxious about something and fearful... Your body kicks in with adrenaline. That's like, you know, drinking Red Bulls. I mean, you, you've got some high octane energy, and people just sit. They just sit, and you're going, no, no, no. This is energy to move, right? They call it the fight or flight hormone. You, you need to be doing something. And, oh my, I was just sitting there thinking about I was going to lose my job, and and now I was going to lose my house, and I was going to lose the and and I oh boy, I just started. Deep breathing, and then felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest, and I thought I was having a heart attack. Yeah, uh, that's exactly what can happen. It just that seizes you up. You need to start walking, movement, and then there's other things. Obviously, you know, going to the Lord and prayer and thinking, processing. But I, I uh, so many people that you go, know, well, I'm, diet, exercise. Good sleep, rest is important for our body, the outer man. But these are some different treatments. Some of them aren't bad. They're, 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 they're good. We were made to sleep. That's why lights go out. It gets dark. Um, if you're in Alaska, you've got six months to sleep. <laughs> but it, uh, sleep is good. Exercise is good. It's just stewardship. Eating a, a healthy diet 
is good. It's just good stewardship. And that can be helpful in some of this, and that's fine. But this is just all that the world has to offer. That's their, their treatments. And so this is just sort of a general uh, information kind of session on anxiety. You go, ah, oh, I always wondered, you know, concern and anxiety are the, the same thing. Well, the concern is probably in there, but it's a concern taken in a sinful way, in an anxious, worrying kind of fashion. And we want to learn how to do have concerns, the right concerns, and take them in the right way. So after our break, uh, we're going to be... Uh, what's really going on uh, with these concerns and anxiety. And then after lunch will be true, real true help and hope on some real practical ways to deal with it. I think I went over. Did I go over time? Oh. So no break. No. Uh, I'll adjust in the next session.